Welcome to the Brave Church Podcast. We're so glad you decided to join us. Wherever you're listening from, we hope you're encouraged and inspired by today's message. Do you remember the, the days where, um, like maybe before cell phones and iPads and all the technology and, and the iWatches, do you remember the time where like when we actually hung out? Like, do, do you remember the days? Like, there are some of you who are like, no, I don't ever remember that. And, and, and like, we talk to you about pay phones. You're like, what? You pay for a phone? Like, what? On, online or what? No, no, you put a quarter in. Like, anybody remember the times? Like, maybe you were growing up and, and um, you actually, like, looked people in the eye when you were talking to them. This is the 6 p.m. Everyone's, like, under 30. And, um... So let's just pretend that there was a day where there wasn't such a thing as cell phones. And, um, and there was this time like where, where it was like you, you actually had to like engage with people. And um, several, several weeks ago I was at this restaurant. There was a table of like 15 people. And, and um, at that table of 15 people, literally every single person at the table was on their cell phones. I'm like, why are you guys even eating out together? Just go home. You're already alone. You're out alone. I mean, you're alone with 15 of your friends. And um, several uh, days ago, my, my kids, we were in the house, and I just got sick and tired of being in the house. I got tired of them just wanting to be on the games and be on the phones. And da, 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 da. I was like, kids, we're going outside to play. And they looked at me like, what is that, Dad? I'm like, you know where the sun shines and we got to put sunscreen? That's where we're going. We're going outside to play. And my kids are like, why? So I made them. We go out there. We play basketball. And so once we get out there, they love it. And I was playing basketball with, with my son. And I was schooling him. You're like, well, Pastor David, do you ever let them win? Because someone asked me, like, I always see on your social media, you're like schooling your kids. You're always bragging about beating them. Do you ever let them win? No. You're going to get the W. You're going to earn it from that. And the first time you come close to beating me, I'm not playing you again. Come on, somebody. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I won by one point. I ain't never playing you again, son. You know what I'm saying? And, and, um, and, and I was playing basketball with him, and I realized that for the first time that, that how much I love playing with him, something was passed down from, from my dad because my dad used to go outside and play basketball with me. We'd hung at this basketball hoop above the garage and I was sitting there playing with him and I thought man it's amazing how much influence we as parents have with our kids that we don't even realize that we're passing stuff on to them important things and even not important things like schooling your kids giving them you know counseling needs for the rest of their life but but besides that like we pass things on to our kids Paul is writing in Ephesians chapter 5 from the position of a parent he opens up chapter 5 and he says, I want to talk to you, brave church. And I want to talk to you like children. In other words, what he's saying is this. I have encountered the living God. I've encountered Jesus. And I want to share something with you about Jesus. Can I tell you what Paul is saying is that there is power of parenthood. There is power of influence. Can I tell you, your life has influence. You have greater influence than you could dream of or imagine. But Paul in chapter 5 tells us this, that your influence has nothing to do with what you say. Your influence has nothing to do with what you post. Your influence is in how you live your life. 
Paul says this, if you want to leave a legacy with your kids, if you want to pass something down to the future generation that carries your name, it's not by what you say, it's not by what you post, it's not what you wish they would do, it's how you live your life. Paul says this, your lifestyle is important. That's so good, even for us as a church, because every once in a while someone will say, Pastor David, how come there's so many young people and college people at, at Brave Church? Why, why is it that we're very intentional and strategic to reach a young demographic? It's not that older people don't matter, but how many of you know that it is our job as the older generation to hand the baton off to the next generation? We cannot ever let this thing called the faith, we cannot ever let the power of God, the presence of God skip a generation. We have to be intentional. Can I tell you, that is why we have an amazing youth ministry that is rocking. That is why... Because we understand that the next generation is not the church of tomorrow. They are the church of today. What's amazing is is that people want us to not reach young people unless it involves their young people. And then all of a sudden it matters. We say, well, pastor, I'm older. Do I have no value here? Of course you do. But how many of you know that value shifts and takes different forms? Your value as a next is not stamina and speed it's wisdom and pace yeah 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 because here, here's what i've come to realize is that young people man they've got so much energy Woo, let's go and insecure leaders listen and i could be a pastor where i could become insecure too because the next generation let me tell you something they're more intuitive they're more technologically advanced they're more creative that we as leaders and we as church attenders we can become intimidated by the next generation and think that they're going to outshine us no listen what they need is they need some wisdom they need some people of faith who will say i'm not going to try just to keep you in the back closet or upstairs in youth ministry we're going to highlight you but then as God begins to grow you we're going to use the wisdom that we have the experience that we have to help you be more successful is there anybody here today that you are thankful that you belong to a church that is a church for the older and a church for the younger yeah 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 because here's the thing this is an empowering message because this releases all generations. Oh, come on. I love this. Because this lets grandparents in the room know that you have value to be a mentor and a leader. You can adopt some young person in this room and say, baby, you're creative. You can dance. Let me adopt you and pray for you by name. Let me call your name out because the enemy is not going to have your talent or your gift. But your gift and your talent is going to build the kingdom of God. So, uh, we first started dancing with they're like, oh, I can't believe we got dancers up in the church, Pastor. Yeah, because they have a gift to dance. You want them dancing at Club 11 or you want them dancing at Brave? I don't know about you, but this is a church that we're going to take back what the devil has taken from us. We're going to take this generation back. We're going to take the gifts, the creativity. Come on, are you with me tonight? We ought to have some more grandparents standing up on their feet saying, Amen, pastor, preach that. Because here's, here's what we need. Here's what we need. 
We need speed and tenacity, but we also need wisdom and pace. That's why young people, you need to scan the audience every service you have. And you need to find a grandma or a grandpa that has their hands up in worship. And you need to find them or someone in their 50s or 60s. And you need to find them and you need to go adopt them. Because what the older generation thinks is that you don't care about them. What they think is that you think that they're just out, out of date, out of fashion, out of style or whatever. This needs to be a church where all the generations interact and build on each other. And you need to adopt someone in this room. You need to, come on, I'm just telling you. If you would say, Pastor David, what would you do if, if you were my age and, and I was a teenager or a young adult? I would scan this room every single Sunday night and find a grandparent or a grandpa, find the same gender, and just find someone that has their hands up and worship. And after church, I'd be finding them saying, hey, I need somebody of wisdom in my life. I need somebody to pray for me. I need somebody to believe God's best for me. I need someone to pray and just believe that God will help me overcome all the things that I've gone through. Would you pray for me? Would you adopt me? I already got a boiler who cooks me some rice and beans, but I need a boiler who's going to sit there and intercede in heaven for my soul that's going to help me understand and figure this thing called life out. Come on, are you with me tonight? I don't know why, but that's that's not even in my notes. I haven't even started yet. Thank you, Dad. Come on. My dad said that's good, so it's good. Come on. (laughs) Paul, in Ephesians chapter 5, watch this. He says, (laughs) watch this. He says this. God didn't love us in order to get something from us, but he loved us to give us everything of himself to us. So love like that. Ephesians chapter 5, number 5. He says this. Write this down in your notes. Come on, write this down. He he says this. uh, Brave church, we love people. We don't lust for people. In other words, he says we need to be people of love and not people of lust. Now, if you've been around church for any amount of time... um, or, or pop culture, you, you, you would think that word lust, and the first thing that pops in your mind is, is sexuality in connotation. Uh, but the word lust goes so much further than just sexuality and sexual purity. The, the word lust literally defined, it, it means this, desire gone bad. And desire can go bad in more ways than just in sexual ways. Like people lust for wealth. People lust for fame. That's why people, did did y'all know you can buy likes on Instagram? (laughs) Y'all know people are paying for followers? I'm sure nobody here, come on. (laughs) People are like, what? Um, Yeah, when you got 30,000 followers and 32 people liked your picture, you just paid for it. And we all know it, come on, let's go. (laughs) He, he, He says this, be people of love. Don't lust for attention, don't lust for fame, don't lust for notoriety. Let's be love people. Well, pastor, what's the difference? Love is the opposite of lust. Love takes. I mean, love gives. Lust takes. It's, it's opposites. Lust says, I want it right now. Lust says, I want what's in it for me. But love says, I'm in it for what's in it for you. Paul says this, we need to be marked by people of love. Can I tell you, he's talking to the church, not the world. 
He's writing this letter to the church people saying, if you're not careful in this world, the world will entice you to want more, to have better, to have bigger. I've got to acquire more. I've got to obtain more. I've got to have more money. I've got to have more wealth. I've got to have this. And what he's telling us is if you live with an appetite of lust, you'll always be hungry and thirsty. But he says, if you live with an appetite to give, it's so counterintuitive to what even makes sense. But Darrison said it in the offering time that the world of the generous gets larger and larger. How is it that someone can give and their world gets bigger? It's called a generosity blessing from God. There's something about someone who understands and learns that this life is not about what we get, but it's about what we give. Paul is talking to the church And he's talking to Brave Church. And what he is saying is this. Brave Church needs to be a church where we aren't in it for what we can get out of the people, but what we can give to the people. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that this is a place that we are known by our love. Anybody say, Pastor, we need to love more. We need to give more. Come on. Anybody thankful that we don't have a lust to get bigger or known, but we want to make a difference in our city. Brave Church, we want to love our city like no one else loves it. We want to bring hope like no one else brings hope. We want to love the broken people like nobody else can. Paul says this, you can really live life when you learn to love. Turn to somebody and say, love is the answer. Come on. Then he goes on to say this, verse number eight, verse number eight, watch this. For you were born once in darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord to live as children of the Light. Number two, would you write this down? Write this down. We are people of light. We aren't people who live in darkness. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul reminds us, he goes, "Um, do you remember what your life was like when you lived in darkness? Anybody ever wake up in the middle of the night, like go to the bathroom, get a cup of milk, a cup of ice water, feed the dog, water the plants? Anybody ever do that? You know? And uh, and, and you like stub your toe or something in the middle because you don't want to turn the light on because you turn the light on it's like, oh. And so you don't want to turn the light. And what do you do? You stumble into things. Paul reminds us in Ephesians chapter 5, he's talking to the church. He says, hey, don't forget what your life was like when you used to live in darkness. Just for a moment, do you remember what your life was like before you went all in with God? Paul says this, when you lived in darkness, we were liars. We were deceivers. We were cheats. We were gossipers. We were busybodies. Paul says this, he goes, but don't live as people who are in the dark. Live in the light. Because when you live in the light, you have purpose. When you live in the light, you have identity. When you live in the light, you have sovereignty. When you live in the light, you have God's direction. Come on, is there anybody here tonight that you're thankful that the light of Christ is shining in your life, that you no longer have to live the way you used to live, but you can live the way God has destined you to be? And then I love it because Paul goes on and he says three things that when you live in the light, there are three fruits of people who live in light. Come on, would you write this down? Write this down in your notes. He says this, when you live in the light, you will have goodness, righteousness, and truth in your life. What is goodness? That means good things will happen to you and good things will chase you down and bad things won't chase you down. Anybody want some good things to happen in your life? Come on. He says this, when you live in the light, surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. How many of you want the blessings, the good blessings of God to be in your life? I'm talking about favor. Someone say favor. Favor. Paul says this, when you walk in the light, you walk in the favor of God. 
Number two is this. He says, you will have righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness basically means you are living in right alignment with God. You're living in right standing with God. In other words, you and God are okay. You know what I love about that? Is that God knows you're not perfect, but you can still live in right standing with God. In other words, um, I came into this, this building tonight to preach to you. You came tonight to worship God and to hear the word of God and to worship that no matter what your background is, no matter what, and you are children of what you've, like, what your past looks like, Paul says this, when you live in the light and you are children of God, you can walk into this room tonight, not with your head down, feeling shame and feeling guilt. You, you can walk into this room not thinking, man, God, I hope you don't strike me down with lightning tonight. But it says this, that you can live in right standing with God, that you can walk up into this room tonight with your head held high. Come on. Then say, God, I know that things haven't been perfect on my end, but I'm living in the light. And I thank you that I can lift up my hands. I can lift up my voice in worship. I can lift up my head because I know that my God loves me. It's what he does most. It's what he does best. Is anybody thankful that you can live in right standing with your God? Here's what this means. Watch this. It means this. It doesn't matter what people say about you. It doesn't matter what people post about you. It doesn't matter what lies people say behind your back. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about you. All that matters is what God thinks about you. And you can live in right standing with your God and look at your haters in the face and say, I don't care what you say because God has favor on my life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm so thankful for the ability for us to live in right standing with our God. Too many of us are people pleasers. Man, we care too much about what people think. Stop caring about what people think. Start caring what God thinks. If you will live your life caring about God and living in right standard with God, can I tell you, people will crave what you have. trying to catch my breath for a second (laughs) then he says this you live in the light you can have truth follow you what is truth truth means this that you're not hiding anything nothing worse anybody ever know someone they're just kind of sketchy you know what I'm saying like they're shady like they they're talking to you and you're like I don't believe a word that's coming out of your mouth (laughs) You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like you're just sketchy, shady. Who are you? And um, Paul says this, that, that when you live in the light, watch this. Your yes is a yes and your no is a no. It means that people don't have to figure out your angle. <laughs> you know, like, you know, you, for you. Someone, and, and you may not even know, people are looking at you like, oh, I know that you're just, what's in it for you? But when you live in truth, you know what the greatest quality is? Is that you can lay your head down at night on your little pillow and you could sleep in perfect peace because your conscience. Oh, let me say it. Your conscience is clear. You cannot put a price tag on a clear conscience. It doesn't matter what people say about you. When you put your head down, you know you're right with God. Let the haters go. I'm going to get some sleep tonight. You see, when you walk in truth, 
People are going to look at your life and they're not, man, they can't figure it out. But you just go to sleep with peace knowing that you live with the truth of God in your heart. Listen, when you live with truth, your business prospers, your family prospers, your health prospers. Everything in your life prospers when you learn to have integrity and character and truth. There's nothing worse than someone who's trying to cover up their tracks, trying to figure out the last lie they told and not knowing what they told the last person because they are just filled with lies. Come on, let's be a church. Let's be known, Brave Church, as a church of goodness, of righteousness and truth. Somebody say yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because Paul says this, this is This is the characteristic of someone whose life is being blessed by God. I was talking with someone recently who had acquired what we would all consider to be a large amount of wealth and and resource. And and they were talking and they were using words like empty and lacking purpose. I mean, we would all agree that this person was extremely wealthy. Which then again goes to show us what we've always known, but we somehow believe that we're the exception. That wealth and fame and notoriety never brings contentment and happiness. That's right. Paul says this, but goodness does. Righteous living does. Truth does. Come on, somebody. You see, one of the things that will help you live in light and not in darkness is who you associate with. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. You see, because here's what I'm going to preach. Let's do this. And because what I do know is that we are called to be people of light, but we're called to go in the dark places. So what I'm not telling you is that we should not interact with people who don't believe in God or people who don't go to church. In fact, I would say contrary to that, some of your some of the people in your friendship circle should be people who are close to you, but far from God. Like you should have unsaved friends. But you should have more light in your life than you have darkness. Should your light get snuffed out? Come on, are you talking to me? Come on, you know what I'm saying? And, and, And so show me your friends and I'll show you your influence. What I would challenge you is this, that some of you have more darkness in your friendship circle than you have light. That is why dinner parties are so powerful and important and strategic for your life. Because you need to get in some relationship with some more brave people, people who have some light in their life so that we can go back out into the world. We can go back into dark places and not be weirdos, not be judgmental, but we can be light in a dark place. Come on, somebody excited that we can go into the dark. That's why I'm not afraid to go into the darkest places in Miami to be a light because I know that I've got some light people that got my back. I've got some people where I go and recharge the batteries in my life. But we're called. Some of you have been saved for too long. You have no unsaved friends. This is like a sending service. Like, go. Make friends with the world. But make sure you have an anchor of light in your life. Should their darkness overcome you and overtake you. Like, environment is what creates your reality. Like, let me explain it like this. Um, It's crazy how there are things that my dad used to say that absolutely drove me in the insane drove me nuts anybody anybody have a parent like they would say things and you're like oh i hate it when you say that come on anybody <laughs> anybody <are> like, <laughs> like your parents you're like i will never do that when i'm a parent 
<laughs> some of you teenagers are like, yeah, that's, I'm never going to do this. Yeah, you are. <laughs> like, I, I remember, I remember like growing up, like my, my, my parents, my dad particularly would say things. And uh, I'm like, oh, man, I hate that. I, man, dad, why do you got to say that? What are you doing? And, and, and like, for example, I, I would ask him for something. Hey, dad, can I go out? And he's like, no. I'm like, why? He's like, because I said so. <laughs> What does that mean? Because you said so. I know you said it, but I want to know why. You know, um, another thing that he would say to me sometimes is, um, you know, I used to get a spanking back when that was cool. And um, you're right, it was never cool. Back when parents would like compare the sizes of their switches, you know, like, how thick is your, I mean, and um, I remember one time my dad's like, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. What? You're about to whoop my skin with that belt and you have the audacity to tell me it's going to hurt you. I couldn't believe it when Natalia was taking Natalia to school last week. She's like, Dad, just let me miss the last week of school. No one's going to care. No one's going to notice. I'm like, I wanted to sleep in that day too. But I was like, Hey, trust me, sweetie, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. And all of a sudden, I'm like, <laughs> She's like, what did you just say? How about this one? Do you remember like, your parents are like, um, hey, can I get five bucks? Can I get 20 bucks? I mean, who are we kidding? Like the tooth, did y'all know that the tooth fairy today is $20 for a tooth? I rebuke that in Jesus' name. I rebuke the tooth fairy in Jesus' name. I do it publicly. Publicly, I rebuke the tooth fairy. I cast out that $20 spirit, and I command the $1 back into the house. You're going to get $20 for a rotten tooth that just fell out of your head. Your head doesn't even want it. Falling out of that nasty face, $20? What are you talking about? That cute little adorable squishy face. And, um, and so, hey, Dad, can I get five bucks? And they're like, what, what do you think? Money grows in trees? Yeah. Come on, remember that one? Yeah. So I tried saying that to my daughter. I mean, I'm serious. Like, all of these annoying things that my parents used to say, I'm saying. <laughs> We're in the car. She's like, Dad, can I get some money? I'm going to my dinner party. And then I'm like, babe, money doesn't grow on trees. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, boom, take that. 12-year-old. Uh. She's like, uh, excuse me, Dad, not to be disrespectful, but, um, yeah, yeah it does. <laughs> I'm like, what did you just say? She's like, freedom to speak freely, Dad? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Money is technically paper. Dad, in your sovereignty and your goodness, because you are a great pastor and all that, yeah. <laughs> may I suggest to you that Yes, even the paper from money, it, it comes from trees. And I'm like, you are grounded forever. <laughs> I, I tell you that because, because we are people of light and not of darkness, but you are a product of your environment. You are what you study. You are the sum total of the influences in your life. Paul says this, study God, imitate God. Be like God. God is light. God is holy. He is righteous. If you want to live your best life now, be everything like God. 
Paul is saying, I want to pass some things down to you that you will say later, that you will implement later. It'll be a blessing to your life. It'll be a blessing to your family. How many of you are thankful that we have the DNA of God that is flowing through our veins and that we are more than a conqueror? Number three, write this down. He says this. He says, uh, verse number 15 and 16, he talks about wisdom. Write this down. I have the wisdom to show me the way. You can have the wisdom tonight to show you the way. You can face anything tomorrow because you have the wisdom of God. Come on, let me say that again. I want to declare this over someone's life. You can face whatever obstacle you're facing tomorrow because you can have the wisdom of God. There's nothing bigger than you because you can have the wisdom of God. There's nothing stronger than you because you can have the wisdom of God. Oh, I wish this would get in somebody's spirit today that you're facing some giants. You're facing some mountains. Come on. I can face anything tomorrow because I have the wisdom of God. Come on. Say it with me. I can face anything tomorrow because I have the wisdom of God. James chapter 1 verse 5 says this, is anyone lacking wisdom? Ask God because God will be more than happy to give it to you generously. Aren't you so thankful that there's nothing in this world that you can face that you don't have the answers for? Because God says this, you don't have to call your best friend. You could just call on me. You say, well, pastor, what is wisdom exactly? Wisdom is knowledge applied. Wisdom is information applied. Can I tell you? Information is useless unless you know how to apply it. We live in a culture where it's information overload. Come on. You've got images. You've got social media. You've got TV. I mean, have you ever watched like CNN or Fox News or whatever you watch? And you're trying to watch the guy and there's like all these things going. Every corner. I can't even focus on what he's saying. Come on. Someone with ADHD. I mean, like, I'm like, I'm struggling here. Information overload. Information is pointless unless you know how to apply it to your life. So how do I apply? How do I get more knowledge? I'm glad you asked. Let me give you four quick things. Write this down. If you want greater wisdom, you've got to increase your capacity for knowledge. Number one is this. Reading. Someone in the back is like, what's that? (laughs) Reading, reading. You You need to read God's word. You can get wisdom from that. Great book. Someone gave me a book yesterday morning. I'm already in chapter 3. Man, the knowledge that's come from that book already is amazing. You can read great blogs. Come on, reading. How about this? Number two, listening. Let me just say this. If you're the smartest person or you feel like you're always the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. You need to be around people that are smarter than you, more creative than you. It is part of a strategic plan in my life. I want to surround myself with people who are smarter, wittier, more creative than I am. You know why? Because as you get yourself around people that are better than you, you'll rise to their level. Don't be so intimidated by people that are more gifted than you that you don't want to be in the same room and learn from them. Listen to people. Here's number three. Watching. So reading, listening, watching. What do you mean by watching? How do I learn from watching? I'm not talking about The Bachelorette. Come on, somebody. Ain't getting nothing from that. <laughs> watching, watching other people's mistakes and learning from them. I have a friend of mine who, who's grown a great business and, and, and family and, and God's hand is definitely on his life and prospering him. And I was talking to him, I was like, man, what's the secret sauce? And he's like, you know what, I'm not a smart person. I don't have the, a degree like that. I don't have any of the accolades. And, and, uh, you know, my family came over from Cuba. We had nothing. We lived in a car and all this stuff. And he told me all this stuff. And he said, can I tell you, honestly, my dad taught me something when I was young. What he taught me was 
Watch other people when they make mistakes and never repeat their mistakes. It's amazing how much you'll learn by just watching other people's mistakes and go, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to post that. I'm not going to think that way. I'm not going to talk to my wife that way. Come on. I mean, watch other people's mistakes. Number four is just write this down. Your own past failures. We all have failures, but my question is, have you learned from them? Some people learn from their past failures. Other people never learn, so they repeat it. They're like a hamster on a wheel. So the more knowledge you acquire, then God says this, ask me for wisdom to know how to apply that to your life. Wisdom comes from asking God. I'm so thankful for James. I'm so thankful for the book of Proverbs, which is considered a book of wisdom. If you want more wisdom, just begin reading the book of Proverbs today. And then it goes this, making the most, verse number 16, of every opportunity because the days are evil. Can I tell you, I believe that you have more opportunity than you can even realize. I believe that more opportunity has come to you and more opportunity is going to come to you. Come on, are you with me today? Anybody thankful that as you walk in the light and you walk in love, God says, that's someone I want to send opportunity to. Paul says this, make the most of every opportunity. Listen, the way you, you maximize on opportunities, you cast off foolishness. In other words, don't procrastinate any longer. Come on, how many of you know procrastination kills? But Paul reminds us as a church, he reminds us as individuals, he says this, make the most of every opportunity. Can I tell you, I've been praying that God would give you opportunity this week, that God would open doors this week. My question is this, are you going to maximize the moment? Paul says this, make the most of every opportunity, which means this, seize the day. Am I talking to somebody here today that you're ready to seize the day and go after God's dream for your life? Come on, make the most of every opportunity. If the worship team would come up, look what he goes on to say. He says, walk in love, walk in light, walk in wisdom. Seize the moment when it comes your way. Seize the moment. Step up and give when you have the opportunity to give. Seize the moment. Step up and help when you have the moment. Step up and serve. Come on, when you have the moment. Step up and register for encounter before it sells out. Oh, by the way, I forgot to announce, new speaker in the lineup, um, uh, April Osteen is Pastor Joel Osteen's sister. She's going to be here for Encounter, so just letting you know. Just letting you know. It's going to be good. She's going to be good. She's going to drop a word. She's going to drop fire. Then all of a sudden, Paul talks about love and light and wisdom, and then he gives us the standard in marriage. It's almost like Paul's writing Ephesians chapter 5, and he's like, man, what am I going to write about now? Oh, those people need help in their marriage. Ephesus, marriage issues. And so Paul says, I'm going to show you the standard of marriage. And he says this um, in Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse number 23. He gives us the model for marriage. He says this, your model for marriage is not Oprah and Stedman. Come on. It's not Kim and Kanye K. He said, I'm going to give you the model for marriage. Anybody ever see like someone post up like a couple picture on Instagram and they post up goals? Hashtag goals, couple goals, marriage goals, dating goals. Come on, anybody ever seen that? You know what I'm talking about? Parenting goals. What they're saying is like, man, that's a goal for my life. I want to be like you. And Paul's like, nah, nah. You want to know what the model for marriage is? And Paul drops it before he closes, closes Ephesians chapter 5. Watch what he goes on to say. Actually, let me give you number four, and then I'll, I'll give it to you. He says this, our model for marriage, write this down in your notes, is Jesus in the church. 
summarize, Paul goes on and says, Jesus is the groom. The church is the bride, which is you and I. Come on, how many of you know that you and I are the bride? He's not talking useless outside of, it's not the bride of Christ. This building is basically just useless outside of just right here and right now. But when it comes to eternity, he says this, what I care about are the individuals who make up this room. Did you know that you are the church? When Paul's talking about the bride is the church, he's talking about you. Come on, he's talking about you. He's talking about me. And he says, I'm going to help you in your marriage. And I'm going to show you a picture like you've never seen before. Jesus is the groom. And we are the bride. In Ephesians chapter 5, he says to the wife, Ladies, support your man. Be respectful. Submit to his leadership. Come on. I love it how no men are like brave enough to say amen. Riding home with that woman. By the way, guys, our job as a man of God is protector, is provider, is to be a priest of our homes. Can I tell you, guys, it will be so much easier for your wives to follow you if they trust you. Do you know why the bride of Christ, the church, trusts Jesus, follows Jesus? It's because we trust him. That's why Brave Church is all about Jesus. That's why we preach Jesus. That's why we follow His teachings, because we trust Him. Why do we trust Him? Because He gave His best for us. So guys, you want your wife to to honor you and respect you and support you? Man, you need to love her like Christ loves the church. He goes on to say, if the husband gives, if the husband cherishes, if the husband forgives, then how easy is it for the wife to say, I'm going to be your Then Paul goes on, in verse number 25, he says this, Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does is and says is designed to bring out the best in her. Dressing her in dazzling white silk Louis Vuitton. Come on, somebody. If you can't afford that, go to Chinatown in New York. It's the same thing radiant in holiness and that is how husbands ought to love their wives they're really doing themselves a favor since they're already one in marriage number five write this down and i'm going to close he's saying this because jesus goes all out we should go all out let me help break this down what he's not saying is guys make your wives submit to you and that's why sometimes people will take the word of god and like misinterpret that and go girl you better have dinner ready at 6 30 so you're like Babe, I told you the word of God said that. I didn't know where, but listen, the pastor's saying it, girl, you need to submit. I want you in the kitchen with your chancletas making me some dinner, girl. (laughs) That is not submission, yo. That is dominance. That's not what he's saying, because how many of you know that chancleta to be a cushion on her feet? She will take that off and it will be a missile in the air. He did not write this. So that we as men, we like flex our machismo muscles and be like, girl, you're going to submit. That is not what Paul was saying. Paul was saying the second part is that if you will go all out for her, watch how she will go all out for you. 
the scripture says that Jesus went all out for the church so that's why we go all out for him what does he do he says this gentlemen listen to me he said that Jesus evokes the beauty in us he believes the best in us he wants to help our dreams come true guys that is how we should love your wife is that you should evoke the beauty out of her cherish her tell her you love her how can I help your dreams come true and Paul says this it will be easy for you to lead your wife because she will want to follow you I can feel that I didn't clear all the tension in the air and I'm glad because I'm going to leave it for you to figure that out at home but I'm so thankful that Paul says this that this is why we as a church love Jesus because he went all out for us can I tell you it is so easy to follow Jesus when we realize all that he has done for us and all that he has given us and all that he has laid on the line for us come on is there somebody that is here today that you can just lift up your hands you can stand up to your feet and thank God that you gave it all come on is there somebody who's thankful for the cross there's somebody who's thankful for grace for forgiveness come on let's lift up our hands and give him the best praise right now you're here tonight and you say pastor david i need more wisdom for my life or maybe you're here and you say man i feel like there's darkness in my life and i want to i want to live in the light or maybe you're just here and you say man information or to get in touch with us, visit us at bravemiami.com.